It's a special Thanksgiving edition where I'll talk about what I'm thankful for from a retirement planning perspective in this, the 50th episode of the Retirement Planning Education Podcast. Welcome to the Retirement Planning Education Podcast, where you can learn all about IRAs and Roth IRAs, employer retirement plans, taxes, Social Security, Medicare, Portfolio Withdrawal Strategies, Annuities, Estate Planning, and much more. And now here's your host, Andy Panko. All right, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the 50th, 50th episode of Retirement Planning Education. I'm uh, super thankful you are still you all are still with me 50 episodes in. Uh, it is coincidentally today, the day this releases is Thursday, November 24th. 2022, which is Thanksgiving. Uh, I figured I would do, I was going to skip it today because it's Thanksgiving. I'm like, yeah, take, take a day off. But I figured podcasts don't really have days off since this these episodes stay out there in the ether for everyone to download and listen to at their at their leisure. Um, so I, I thought I'd do a, a Thanksgiving type theme and specifically what I'm thankful for and trying to tie this into retirement planning. I'm, I'm going to split it up and kind of do it two ways. One is what I'm thankful for personally and in my path and journey as it relates to retirement planning and, and, and how I ultimately got to who I am and what I do today in the retirement planning world. And then second will be more more broadly, not specific about me, uh, just broadly what, what I'm thankful for in the industry as a whole with regards to retirement planning and retirement planning education and just some retirement things. This is super kind of unstructured. I just, I just sort of jotted down some bullets and notes. I'm just going to kind of rip off that uh, not necessarily in, in order. And I'm sure I'm, I'm missing stuff here, but uh, excuse me if, I, if I'm not fully addressing everything there is to be thankful for about retirement planning education. Uh, let me just start. So again, this is Thanksgiving. For those of you who listen to this live on the day it comes out, or at least on the day it comes out, uh, today is Thanksgiving. And we, my family and I, we do this this thing. We have we did it last year. We're doing it again this year. It's a pretty cool volunteering opportunity in, in New York, in New York City, in Midtown, for uh, an event sponsored by the First Responders Children's Foundation. It's a it's a charity group, a charitable organization that provides financial support to uh, to children who've lost parents in in the line of duty, you know, first responder parents, uh, you know, police officers, firefighters, whatever it may be. And every year for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York, they they sponsor this event at Bryant Park, which is right in the heart of Midtown, right on the heart of the parade route on 6th Avenue. They sponsor this, this brunch event for donors and, and children's or first responders and, and other supporters where uh, at, at the Bryant Park Grill, this nice restaurant right there, right, right at this nice park. Um, they, they sponsor this brunch and people pay to get tickets. They come in, whatever. And, and so there's, there's volunteer opportunities. My, my family and I last year, we handed out swag bags to everyone who showed up and the bags had like hand sanitizer and stickers and, and hats, winter hats and, and something else and shirt. Maybe I don't remember. So we're doing that again this year. I don't recall. I don't know if we have an assignment yet in terms of what we'll actually be doing in terms of volunteering, but uh, we, we will be there. It's a cool event. We, we get up bright and early, you know, drive there from, from our house in New Jersey to, to there to Midtown Manhattan without traffic is only 40 minutes, maybe, which, which isn't too terrible at that hour. It shouldn't be much traffic. Then afterwards, we um, you know the parade's over. Well, uh, the event is over. We we the the event itself is brunch, like I said. And then after the brunch, there's a um, for people who, who attend, there's a premiere sort of um, struggling for the word here. Right along Sixth Avenue, that's blocked off sidewalk access just for attendees of, of this event. So in addition to you know you, you pay this this fee to get into this event, you get this nice brunch. Then you get this primo 
spectating spot right on Sixth Avenue, right in the sidewalk there in front of Bryant Park to, uh, you know, front row to see all the balloons in the parade. So it's really cool. So uh, us as volunteers, once the volunteering is over and people are kind of done with the eating and, and make their way out to the sidewalk to, to go view the parade, then the volunteers can sort of crash and kind of clean up what's left food wise. And then also we can we can hang out and watch the parade a little bit, which is what we did last year. It was cool to see everything that up close, you know, your, your, your feet away from from the parade route. So anyway, so that's what we're doing on this year. Weather looks like it'll be a little chilly, but otherwise um, not too windy, not going to be rainy. So balloons should be flying and, and, and uh, we will be there. And then after that, we drive up to my in-laws. They're uh, not too far away from there for um, uh, Thanksgiving dinner uh, on that evening. So that's our plans. Um, bring it back to the podcast now. So yeah, it is the 50th episode of this podcast. Uh, started it January 14th of this year, 2022. So here we are a little over 10 months in, uh, 50 episodes. I've been doing one every week. Initially I, I batched, I think there's four or five of them. I kind of put out in, a, in like a teaser pack, but otherwise it's one a week. As of today, this morning I checked, there's cumulatively 178,000 downloads of this podcast in just over 10 months, which is which is mind blowing. Now I'm sure there's, there's many other podcast folks where, you know, these statistics are a joke that they have that many downloads in a few minutes or, you know, a day or whatever it is. But considering I started this from nothing and I'm quite the nobody in the grand scheme of things, this is, this is uh, really cool. So, so first thank you. And first gratitude is to everyone who listens, who downloads, who follows me, not just on this podcast, but across my other, my other sources. Thank you for subscribing for all of you who have left reviews, likes, comments, etc. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And it helps others find this podcast. The, the more recognition and acknowledgement there is by listeners, by users, the more podcast platforms will sort of promote, not promote, but um, recommend or, or, you know, get this in front of other people as something they may like. So, so thank you very much to everyone who's followed along, who supported who's uh, sent in comments, questions, feedback. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate it. Your your acknowledgement and your reviews are definitely not lost on me, and I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I had no idea what to expect when I started this podcast. I don't even know why I started it, honestly. Um, I just figure I, I like talking about this stuff. I, I know I know it fairly well. I know I can explain it fairly well. So I thought, I'm already doing videos on YouTube. I already have this Facebook group. I already got a monthly newsletter. Why not do it in one other venue, you know, in podcast form? I have all this knowledge kind of floating around in my head. Let me just get it out there in one other medium. It's not that big of a time commitment to do. I kind of enjoy it. So, um, so yeah, here, here we are almost a year later, 50 episodes in, and, and this thing's chugging along. And just quick reminder, I, as you probably know, for those who are regular listeners, I started doing a monthly Q&A edition, which is all your questions. So if you have any questions you'd like answer to this podcast, send them to me. You can send them at andypanko at gmail.com. That's A-N-D-Y-P-A-N-K-O at gmail.com. Feel free to write it in. You can leave your name if you want me to reference your name in the uh, as, as I'm reading the question back in the episode. Or brownie points, if you can find a way to leave me a voice recording of your question, I'll definitely play that voice recording in the podcast, which makes it sound pretty cool. So uh, anyway, that, yeah, that's the Q&A edition. All right, now let me get into it. My, my gratitudes, my thank yous, my what I'm thankful for. First, I'll start with kind of me, my background, and, and sort of what brought me here and, and how I got to where I am. Obviously, I got to start with my parents. Thank you for, for raising me, for teaching me morals and work ethic and paying for me to go to college and, and giving me you know, discretion to, to basically pursue what I wanted to pursue. I, I didn't, you know, my parents weren't like, you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. Um, 
not very high pressure in that regards. Now, neither of my parents went to college. They, they were just happy that that I was considering going to college. You know, they, they made it clear I can't just bum around at home. I have to either go to work after high school, uh, go in the service, or go to college. I ended up going to college and kind of the rest is history. But um, my, my mom more so wanted me to go to college. My dad was kind of 50-50, I think, between the service and college. You know, he, he was in the Navy. He was on, uh, he worked the uh, the landing gear on aircraft carriers. And so, you know, it really helped make him who he is uh, as a person and et cetera. So, he, you know, he was uh, he was very supportive of, of my brother and I going into the service, into the military. My mom was more so trying to go to college instead. But either way, here, here I am. So, so thank you for uh, putting up with me, for guiding me, for teaching me, for raising me and uh, ultimately getting me through college. Uh, next, obviously, I can't uh, I'd be remiss if I did not express gratitude for, for my wife and, and my kids, for that matter. But my wife for being supportive of more or less whatever I've wanted to do since we've been together. We, we met in college in 1998, got married a handful of years after college. And here we are. Uh, what year is it? Got married in 2004. So I can't do the math. That's what 18 years we've been married, plus knew each other another six years prior. So uh, it's been a while. And thank you for, for putting up with me and, and being supportive. She, you know, as um, after our first child was born, I kind of had this epiphany. I wanted to get out of the corporate finance world. And I uh, went and, and took some more college classes to get my high school teaching degree because I considered, seriously considered, leaving the corporate world and going to teach high school. You know, wanted to teach business in high school. Ultimately, didn't when I found out that uh, they wouldn't, in effect, give me any credit for my my years of professional experience. They'd start me at level zero pay scale, and there I was, you know, newborn child, and I was like, I don't know, late 20, 30 years old at the time. I was like, yeah, I I'm not willing to make that happen. So ultimately, I didn't do it. But nonetheless, my my wife would have. Uh, allowed me. She was supportive of me doing that because she knew how much it would have it would have meant to me. Um, she was supportive of me sticking in corporate finance and having long hours, long commute, being away from the house a lot. After our second child was born, she uh, started. She was working full time, but then started job sharing. So she was working in the city in New York two days a week and home three days a week. So she, thankfully, one of us was around for the most part to um, help you know help the kids raise kids be be involved in their schools and things like that and we also have family close by who are very supportive of helping watch kids you know take kids to and from school or daycare or whatever my wife's also supportive of all my crazy sometimes extreme hobbies um i i've i've done a lot of like marathons bike races uh, uh not spartan what's it called tough mudder races like these kind of i don't quite call them extreme necessarily but really involve things that require a lot of training and time. So a few of the marathons I trained for, you know, I'd get home from work. My normal schedule would be I get home 7, 7.30. My kids were young, so I'd see them eat something, put them to bed, and then here it is, 9 o'clock at night. I'd go out running for, for a half hour, for an hour to get to get my miles in every day, and then uh, come home, shower, go to bed, and wake up and you know do it all again the next day. So she was very supportive of that and, and my woodworking hobbies and some of my wackier hobbies, like I dabbled in stand-up comedy for a bit, which uh, <laughs> made her much more nervous than me. But I did a handful of shows at Caroline's Comedy Club in New York and also Gotham in New York. Only five or six times I did that. It, it was fun. Definitely wasn't something I want to make as a career, but really off the beaten path and very different from my staid uh, corporate white collar sort of buttoned up day, day job. So it was a fun outlet and, and, and release. And, uh, you know, thankfully, she she put up with some of the wacky off the wall stuff I said and did in those in those few bits of uh, comedy routine. Um, she's also more recently more very supportive of me choosing to leave my at the time was a 19 year 
very lucrative corporate finance career to start this retirement planning business from zero. No clients, no money. Here I am, just quit cold turkey and start this thing up. Now, I did put a lot of planning into it, a few years worth of planning. So it wasn't completely just random and um, you know out of left field. But she, she was on board with this and okay. And personally, financially, emotionally, which um, uh, you know is a huge change for, for us in our life. But she was fully supportive and, and super, super uh, you know thankful for that. One final comment. She's not so supportive of me getting a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> I, I did have a scooter, a Vespa, that like, uh, I don't know, this was like 15 years ago, I guess. She was okay with that. I had to get a motorcycle license for it because the engine was large enough that New Jersey requires a motorcycle license to have it. And then kind of got, I don't want to say bored, but like hit the, hit the limits with the Vespa. I was like, I want to get a real motorcycle now. She was like, yeah, nope, not going to happen. So that was 15 years ago. Kids were super small. And now here we are. My kids are teens trying to sort of plant seed again and she's she's not really receptive which i i guess I, I guess i get but anyway um i still love you anyway all right next the uh this is kind of a backhanded compliment but when i was in college i wanted to be a financial advisor didn't really know what it was and interviewed at a lot of the large companies that were interviewing on campus for roles they called financial advisor thank you to them for helping me realize what i didn't want to do and by that, I mean, it was a, a few of the large national household name insurance companies you all have heard of, a few of the large national brokerage firms you all have heard of. It's got really turned off. It was all just commissioned insurance sales and or pushing commissioned loaded mutual funds on folks or just gathering assets to charge a percent of asset fee on that. It wasn't really any planning or advice. It was just sell and gather assets. Felt dirty, needed a shower, and, and I, got, I got turned off by the industry after thinking that's all financial advising was, was just selling stuff or gathering assets. So I won't get too off onto my story today, but that at the time in, in you know, 1999, 2000, made me realize, yeah, I don't want to do that. Uh, there's got to be something different than that. So I ended up stumbling into a uh, corporate job, which leads me to the next one. Thank you to Prudential Financial, which was my first job out of school in, in 2000. Uh, it was an entry-level job. Thank you in the first place for giving me a shot, some kid out of school. Um, I stayed there for four years, learned a lot. And thank you in particular, they paid for 90% of my MBA degree. I went, I went part-time at Rutgers while I was working full-time at Prudential. And if you went part-time, they paid 90%. So, uh, I ended up paying, I think it was like three grand all in for my MBA because Prudential shouldered the other, whatever it was, 27,000 bucks or something. So thank you Prudential for, for that. Next, thank you to all my other employers in my, in my corporate life before I quit and started my Retirement planning gig, uh, in, in order of, of where I worked versus Prudential, and then Mizuho, Credit Suisse, Bank of America Merrill Lynch, BNP Paribas, and Nomura. Learned a great deal, a tremendous uh, amount of of cool things I saw and did. Worked with some really great people. Had some great uh, managers and mentors and, and coaches. So thank you to everyone. All that experience, all that knowledge, all the personalities I worked with, all helped build and make and develop and and educate me to get me to the point where, um, you know, where I am today. And, and a lot of stuff I learned was, was from those 19 years. Thank you also to Rutgers University for allowing me to teach. I am an adjunct professor, technically called a part-time lecturer in internal Rutgers speak for um, currently teaching international financial management. This isn't a full-time thing. It's sort of semester by semester as they need some, some holes filled in the teaching roster. They'll reach out to, there's a bunch of, of adjuncts that they have on their list. This, this is my fifth, or I guess sixth semester teaching at Rutgers over the last 12 years. 
Um, something I hopefully foresee doing for the rest of my career uh, on and off. Again, it's not full time by any means. It's like one semester, every handful of semesters is, is, is probably how this is going to play out. But I enjoy it. Um, helps helps keep me sharp in terms of my knowledge. It helps helps me. Uh, you know, I, I like being in front of students and educating. And I think you've heard me, me say this before, but part of it's uh, I think I like hearing myself talk. But it, it works out well. Um, kids seem the students seem to like it. I, I like it. The the amount of work that goes into it isn't worth the pay. Um, adjunct professoring doesn't pay very much, unfortunately. But I do it because I enjoy it, and, and the little bit of pay I get is just kind of added extra. So so thank you, um, Rutgers, for the opportunity. Next, my my business, my um, tenant financial retirement planning and investment management business. Huge huge thank you to all of my clients. As you know, I, I'm done taking new clients at this point. I sort of hit the intentional capacity I set out to to achieve, and now I'm, uh, it's kind of it. And, you know, business is what it is. I don't I don't foresee you know, a few more clients may trickle in, but otherwise, I'm not actively seeking any any new clients. And so, thank you to everyone who uh, gives me the opportunity to to help you to work with you. And thank you for your your trust and confidence. And thank you, especially when I started out. Thank you for I guess the right way to say it is taking a chance on me. You know, someone who was uh, new to this business, not new to the industry, but new to the business, didn't quite have a business yet other than some family and friends. So so thank you for giving me a shot. I, I, I think, I firmly believe things have worked out well mutually for, for clients and myself over that time. But um, definitely continuing amounts of thanks to all of you for your continued support and trust and confidence in me and, and allowing me to help you in your retirement planning journeys. And this one's a little weird, but um, it's legit. Thank you to social media, uh, specifically in my case, Facebook, YouTube, and now this podcast for giving me the outlet to reach so many people and, and to impact so many people, to help teach, to answer questions, to inform, uh, to educate, to, to help dispel myths. There, there's a lot of crap out there, a lot of biased um, stuff, people who are overly pro investments or overly pro insurance or overly pro this or that. Um, it's, th there's a lot of, there's a lot of bunk out there. And a lot of people don't know what they're talking about who have great flashy social media presences that are really captivating and fun to watch. They're just doling out bum information. So anyways, uh, these, these platforms could be great. They could be bad. If used properly, they're absolutely amazing. Um, I, for me, Facebook was nothing short of uh, a game changer for getting access to people, especially since my business was really kind of starting just at the beginning of the pandemic when everyone was locked home, couldn't really get out and about and meet people and do the traditional educating, teaching, marketing, business development stuff. We were forced to be online and uh, Facebook worked out really well. My, my, my group taxes and retirement is now, I don't even know, 35,000 people and growing. Um, I'd be lying if I were to say it wasn't a great business development tool for me because the majority of my clients did ultimately find me through through crossing crossing paths on the Facebook group. But even outside of that, there's thousands of people who are now it's its own living, breathing community, this Facebook group I made. But it, you know, it used to just be kind of me answering questions and other people um, you know, jumping in on stuff. Now it's kind of like this feeds itself group where where others in the in, in the group are, are helping answer questions and it's clean, it's respectful. It's for the most part, a lot of people know what they're talking about and give great information. There's no name calling, there's no political stuff. I'm quick to delete those people out if, if they do do that. But point, point is, uh, it, it's a tremendous and free um, uh, outlet tool 
um, guide, I don't know what you would call it, community, whatever, to, to get really good detailed information about lots of things involving retirement tax planning. So anyway, so, so thank you to these Facebook, YouTube podcasts. There's so much tremendously valuable and educational content out there. You just need to have to find it. And once you find it, you, you get on this rabbit hole of realizing just how much awesome stuff there is. And it's all free for the most part. Um, the information's out there. It, it's just, you know, what you choose to do with it. You can really educate yourself phenomenally from free stuff, such as Facebook, YouTube, et cetera. All right. So that, that, that's kind of it for me. Let me now move on to general retirement planning stuff. Um, this is uh, in no particular order, and this is going to be kind of hokey. I don't know, but I thought I had to come up with something to say. Just things I'm thankful for, and, and I like to think others could or should be thankful for from a general retirement planning and even, I guess, broader financial planning perspective. Um, really, really impactful thing. So again, in no particular order, I'll start with thank you to Jack Bogle from Vanguard. I believe he's since passed, but he was widely viewed as the pioneer of creating low-cost, you know, low-fee, passive index-type investment funds that really upended the industry. Uh, mutual funds, for example, you know, you used to be able to invest in individual stocks. That, that's no surprise. And that goes back 100 years, 100 plus years. Um, the advent of the mutual fund where you can invest in one fund, you know, quickly and easily invest in one fund that ultimately owns hundreds or thousands of individual stocks. So it's a, it's a good, effective, efficient way to get a lot of diversity uh, in your portfolio. It used to all just be kind of actively managed. There was a bunch of stock pickers behind the scenes picking stocks. The fees were 1% plus per year, you know, way back in the day. They, they've come down over time. But Jack Bogle really sort of turned things on its head. And it was like, uh, history shows the vast majority of stock picking fund managers can't outperform a broad index like the S&P 500. This is not investment advice, this podcast. I need to, need to mention that. But his whole shtick was... Don't bother paying these high fees to pay for someone to do all this research and pick stocks and have this office and blah, 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 when ultimately they're not going to do you any better than just if you can invest in the market. So he made funds that would, in effect, replicate or try to replicate what it would be like to invest in the market. And because it was a lot less work, there's not people having to screen through a bunch of investments and do research and whatever. You're just putting together a portfolio that, that mimics an index is able to keep the fees down. And that really revolutionized the industry and still does. And there's still an increasing trend toward, you know, away from active managed products toward these lower cost passive things. Even in retirement, vast majority of people from a, from a traditional investment perspective, all they really need is a few basic index funds. You can still manage them properly to account for sequence of return and taking distributions and what gets sold when. And there's a little more technicality to it. But you know, whether you're accumulating assets or deaccumulating, such as in retirement, traditional investments, all most people really need some combination of cash, bank account products, and traditional investments like, uh, you know, like some of these Vanguardian type passive index funds. So anyway, so thank you, Jack Bull, with the bringing down cost and making things much more simple and efficient and easy. Um, things were much more complicated and expensive than, than they needed to be. Next, this one's, this one's quirky. Thank you to Charles Schwab, specifically because he was one of the first, uh, quote unquote, discount brokerages that started in the early 70s. So fun fact, prior to, to, I think it was May 1st, 1975, 
there were fixed commissions that all brokerages needed to charge for for trades. So if you bought or sold a stock leading up to you know prior to 1975, there's a minimum level of fixed commission. And I want to say it was like 50 bucks, I think. Not $50 like in today's terms, like $50 at the time. So do the math concerning how much inflation there was. Like I don't even know what that would be in today's terms. It's probably like 200 bucks or something per trade. So that really made it difficult and, and not feasible especially for smaller investors to go out and buy a bunch of stocks because every trade you did, you're paying 50 bucks. So if you're only buying like a thousand dollars worth of stocks and had to pay a $50 commission to buy a stock, that's huge. It's 5%. Like right off the top, you're losing 5% in this commission. So anyway, so, so the industry in May, 1975 had, had, has uh, what's since become known as May day within wall street, um, got away from that and, and let brokerages start negotiating and setting their own commissions as opposed to having to do this fixed minimum of 50 bucks or whatever it was. And Charles Schwab was one of the first few to really take advantage of that and start dropping commissions on trades. And hence the term discount broker because they weren't the same, you know, stupid $50 or whatever it was that everyone else was charging at the time. And uh, Schwab, I don't think was the first, but he was at least the most well-known and, and still obviously around today, his firm. So thank you, Charles Schwab, for helping pave, just like Jack Bogle, helped made investing cheaper, easier, more efficient. Uh, Charles Schwab helped make the same thing, uh, investing cheaper and more accessible to, to the average folk. So thank you for that. Next, thank you to insurance companies for offering your products. Um, specifically, I'm talking about annuities, life insurance, long-term care insurance, for example. And insurance companies do more, obviously. They do homeowners, auto, but from a retirement planning perspective, it's more commonly annuities, uh, long-term care insurance to a lesser extent, life insurance that comes into play. Um, incredibly important products when used in the right set of circumstances. You, you really can't replicate what life insurance does or what annuity does. You can try, you can get close, but th they are unique animals with their own unique benefits that uh, you can't quite do outside of having those products. So thank you for that. Um, the sales culture and complexity of a lot of the products still leaves a lot to be desired, in my opinion. Uh, but anecdotally, some of the fees have come down on some of these products over time, which is a move in the right direction. But the disclosure, the complexity, the uh, the decade, um, the um, dozens long pages of illustrations and policies that that policy and contract holders need to get and read and understand is still bewildering to the point that. Uh, vast majority of people buy buy these products don't fully understand it but that's not necessarily the product's fault uh it's just the nature of how complicated they are and the fact that insurance products are private contracts between buyer and seller it's not like a security that's this commoditized sort of bought on an exchange thing but anyway stepping back i uh, just th i should leave it there <laughs> thank you insurance companies for um providing things like annuities and life insurance because they are and long-term care insurance they are important products for the right people in the right set of circumstances that that can't be replicated elsewhere here's a fun one thank you to senator william roth from delaware he's since passed but uh senator william roth was the creator of the roth ira the roth ira was created in the taxpayer relief act of 1997 named after the sponsoring senator william roth um, as, as many of you know and following this podcast roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, for you know, for that matter, potentially tremendously important and um, valuable tools from a from a savings perspective, a, a tax planning perspective, et cetera, from a from an inheritance perspective. So, thank you, William Roth. Without you, uh, I, don't, I would assume Roth IRAs wouldn't exist, or if they did, they'd probably be named something different by some other senator at the time, like the Kennedy IRA or something. I don't know, whoever, you know, someone else in theory could have come up with this, but um, 
uh, it is what it is. It is now the Roth IRA. So thank you, Senator William Roth from Delaware. Next, thank you to the academics in the field of retirement planning and retirement income planning, such as Wade Fow, Jamie Hopkins, and there's many others. These are just two of the more com, uh, more uh, prevalent names that, that, that I'm aware of. Thank you for being pragmatic in, in your research and your findings and your publishings and in your guidance and not just being like a lot of the boneheads in the industry that are way too biased and too pro investments or way too biased and too pro insurance. People on both ends of the extremes are uh, doing a disservice to the industry and to people who listen and follow. Um, nothing in this industry is dogmatic or, or black and white, or rarely, should I say, is anything ever black and white. The answer isn't always insurance. The answer isn't always investments. It's it's often somewhere in between or some mix of the two. So thank you to these researchers who don't um, necessarily work on either side of the equation um, and, 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 and really just are there to research and present findings. So retirement planning, retirement income planning in particular is kind of a new field in in the last, I don't know, 10 years, maybe 20 years. Thinking back 30, 40 years ago, I mean, this predates me. I was born in 1978, but what was retirement? It was, you worked for the same company, you know, for the most part, you worked for the same company for 40 years. Um, you got social security, you get a pension when you're done, you get a pat on the back and a gold watch and your social security and pension. That's it. That is your retirement. There wasn't really any retirement specific financial planning to do necessarily. That was it. And you also, uh, on average, didn't live that long. You know, people worked till roughly 65 ish. Uh, most people probably died five, maybe 10 years later, you know, going back a while, uh, more recently, obviously life expectancy now is mid eighties, depending gender and, and you know how old you are but so retirement planning especially the financial aspects were pretty straightforward you retired you got your pension and social security uh you didn't live that long so there wasn't you know any investable money any savings you did have probably weren't going to outlive it especially since you had pension and social security well that's all changing as you who listen know social security is still around I, i'm convinced you know that's not going away it may get reduced to some extent for some people but uh, I'm confident in saying it's not going away completely. You know, your payments aren't going to stop. So that's still there, but it's strained. It's going to have some, some uh, revisions, like I said. Traditional pensions, that's a different story. Unless you are a federal employee, a municipal employee, or some private uh, employers still have pensions, but those are the exceptions. So going forward, as you've already realized, for the majority of people, retirement planning, retirement income planning is much more on you to save enough through 401ks, through brokerage accounts, through IRAs, through 457s, TSP, you know, whatever savings, uh, retirement savings vehicle I have available to you. The onus is much more on you to make sure you're putting enough away and figure out how to tap it, how to use it, how to make it last once you're in retirement to, to complement your social security and or pension if you got it. Um, very different than, than 30, 40 years ago. So that's why I say retirement income planning is a relatively new field academically. It didn't really exist prior to a few decades ago. So thank you to the, the leaders of the industry, especially academically, who were out there researching, putting out great information, giving guidance, You know, the, the thought leaders in the industry. You are truly doing a tremendous service to not just practitioners, but you know, average folk out there listening, soaking stuff up. Um, sort of related, but um, thank you to all the great content providers who who are out there making good stuff about retirement planning, financial planning, taxes. There's way too many for me to count. 
and there's way many more uh, content creators that, that I'm even aware of. I'm not that avid of a content follower myself anymore. I, I was years ago, but now kind of doing my own thing. I'm, I'm a little less involved in other people's stuff and following other people's stuff. But the amount of great books there are, podcasts, YouTube channels, blogs, Facebook groups, like I sort of touched on before, there's so much ridiculously good, ridiculously thorough, ridiculously ridiculously technical, um, ridiculously easy to understand, depending on what you want, information out there about finances, about investing, about retirement planning, about taxes. It's all there. You, you can get one of the best educations in the world for free if you know where to find it and you put the time in to actually to listen, to read, to watch, to whatever it may be and soak it up. Um, so, so thank you to everyone who's out there. I like to put myself in this category, you know, people out there making this content freely available, doing it oftentimes just to help educate and, and sort of move the needle on, on helping people better themselves in their retirements. Now, some people do monetize their sources and I can't knock them for that, but, um, it doesn't take away from the fact that the content's good. So, so thank you to everyone out there creating all this stuff and putting it out there for, for, for the world to, uh, to soak up. Kind of related, uh, there are some, uh, thank you to some of the more technical content providers who are industry practitioners, who their stuff for the most part is is written and, and, and made and produced for advisors and, and those in the industry. But for the uh, DIYers who, who do have a kind of higher level aptitude and understanding this stuff, great sources for them. I'm talking specifically about um, some of my favorites for tax and retirement related issues are folks like Ed Slot, Natalie Choate, Jeff Levine, to name a few, there, there's more, but these are sort of the three that always bubble up to the top of my list for my go-to sources of uh, those who truly know this stuff cold and are consistently um, thorough and, and accurate and reliable sources of info on these things. So if you ever want to try to really dig in the weeds, um, Ed Slot, Natalie Choate, Jeff Levine are, are um, you know second to none when it comes to retirement and tax knowledge and, and good content. All right, uh, getting towards the end here. Thank you to Social Security. How about that? Uh, started in 1935. Social Security is the backbone, is the foundation of many people's retirement income plans. Um, for many people, it, it's all they got or the majority of what they got, which not ideal, but still without that, imagine where people would be. So thank you, Social Security system. Before 1935, there was no sort of, and this is a social welfare program. I don't mean that in a bad way, but uh, you know, there was no sort of social welfare backstop system for retirees. There was something for, I think, civil civil war veterans, and there's maybe something for railroad employees, but there wasn't this sweeping national applicable to everyone or almost everyone um, retirement income system th that there now is known as social security. So thank you, uh, social security system. Thank you also to Medicare. Uh, before 1965, there was no Medicare. You know, there was no socialized um, national healthcare system for for retirees. People were on their own. Again, it was, I don't say it wasn't a problem, but it was less of a concern then because life expectancies were that much shorter. You didn't have to, for the most part, worry about living 30, 30 plus years in retirement and having to pay for medical expenses and long-term care and whatever. Not that Medi Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care, so that was a bad example. But point is, uh, th there was no socialized retiree-focused uh, healthcare system pre-1965. So that's when Medicare was started. Uh, thank you for that. That That is a tremendously important and valuable part of, of most people's retirement plans is, is Medicare along with Social Security. Super powerful combo of baseline of guaranteed income and uh, social 
you know, subsidize healthcare system for retirees. Quick side note, thank uh, or sub thank you to Medicare. Thank you to Part D. You know, Part D is drug plan coverage. There was no drug plan coverage for retirees under Medicare until 2006. Almost mind blowing. So pre 2006, there was no insurance. You can buy private insurance, but there wasn't a Medicare, um, you know, national socialized uh, um, subsidized drug plan until 2006 when Part D came around. So, so thank you to uh, again Medicare and Part D tremendously important parts of, of retirees uh, lives and th- this is a kind of a broad one but thank you to the blossoming field of studies and coaching and counseling in the softer side of retirement helping people find meaning and purpose and fulfillment and reason for being and and reason for getting up and having happiness so i, I mostly focus on the financial aspect of retirement as you've probably figured out and a lot of people think of retirement planning as the financial aspect, and, and it is to a large extent. But the non-financial side is as important, if not more important in many cases. A lot of people don't realize this until they find out the hard way. They, they work for 40 years, whatever, in, in a job. They, they look forward to retiring. They retire. You know, they, they stop work on Friday, retired on Monday. And then a few weeks, a few months, a few years in, it's like, man, now what? Like, what, what, what am I doing? You, you, you sometimes get lazy, you get complacent, you get depressed. You, you no longer have your social network, which you may not have realized until after the fact that your social network is, is, is often uh, your professional life and, and your colleagues and stuff. Um, also, if you have kids, your social network is often uh, parents of your kids from being involved in, in activities and sports and dance and school and what have you. And that kind of all goes away at some point. You stop working, there goes your work-based social network. Your kids grow and leave the house, you know, the quote unquote empty nest syndrome. There, there goes that network. Now you still might stay in touch with people, but it's not the same as when it's organically thrust upon you day to day when you have kids that you're shuttling around to activities in school. And so it, it's really important. Um, there's a lot of ways I can go with this, but it's really important to realize successful retirement isn't just do I have enough money? It's you have to retire to something, not from something. What are you going to do? How are you going to fill your days for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, however long your retirement is? Make sure you have something. Now, some people are fully content in in the traditional sort of life of leisure. Let let me hang out, do crossword puzzles, travel every now and again, hang out with my grandkids, whatever. That's fine. Um, Other folks, often those who are hard charging, super career driven, for better or worse, their identity was wrapped up in what they did professionally. They lose a big piece of themselves when they retire if they don't. Um, intentionally and consciously think about how to recreate or um, pivot or change their identity and, and, and find a new identity, find new purpose and meaning and a reason to get up, to, to intentionally foster social connections and networks, to stay physically active, to stay mentally active. Um, these things all help uh, provide or, or help make a, a happy, successful retirement is not just financial. So I'll, I'll leave it there. But there's there's lots of people and sources and increasing amounts of studies and research and, and groups uh, that focus on the softer side. Again, the meaning, the purpose, the fulfillment, the reason for, for, for being, what brings you happiness. That stuff's all important. So, so I'm uh, thankful for that and thankful that that, that keeps making progress as it's a tremendously important aspect of retirement above and beyond just investments and insurance and you know pensions and annuities and whatever. So that's my, uh, that's my thank you list. I'll, I'll stop it there. I'm sure there's things I'm leaving out. And in this list, some of these things are kind of weird, but um, like I said, I was just 
plotted down, pl plopped out some bullets and came up with some talking points here. So hopefully you found this um, entertaining and, and somewhat uh, enlightening. Uh, the the Q&A episodes, just a reminder, anyone who would like a question answered on this podcast in one of the upcoming Q&A episodes, shoot me an email, andypanko at gmail.com with whatever questions uh, you would like answered. And quick teaser, I'm going to be doing a multi-part series called something like Intro to Investing or Basics of Investing. I've had a few people make great recommendations about, can you just tell me the basics of investing? Like this tax stuff is great. Yeah, yeah. Kind of technical. I just want to learn basics. Um, what are stocks? What are bonds? How to invest in it? Why to invest in it? What do I look out for? Pros, cons? What are the alternatives to those, et cetera? So I'm going to be doing, to be determined how many parts, but a multi-part series about Intro to Investing. Probably going to do it in January. Uh, I'm just kind of busy with the year end and stuff. Got to get some things racked up. So I have more time to focus on this in, in um, you know, end of the year, early next year. So be on the lookout for that. That, that should be a fun one. Uh, as always, if you do like this podcast, you will, you will be into my other content sources. My Facebook group is Taxes and Retirement. My YouTube channel is Retirement Planning Demystified. And my monthly newsletter is Retirement Planning Insights. You can find links to all three of those in the notes of this episode. And finally, here's my, my weekly grovel and beg. If you do like and enjoy this episode, I will be greatly appreciative I'd be thankful, uh, tying into this episode, thankful if you were to take a few moments to leave a positive review, click on five stars, give it a like, give it a thumbs up, give it whatever means of positive acknowledgement that is available through whatever podcast listening platform you use to access this splendiferous show, Retirement Planning Education. All right, that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being with me through 50 episodes. I'm excited to see where the next 50 go. Um, I don't know yet. I'll figure it out along the way. But um, I, I like this podcast. I'm going to keep it going as long as I can and as long as you all seem interested and uh, have stuff you want to hear. So thank you for that. And again, happy Thanksgiving to everyone and take care. I will see you next time. The information discussed in this podcast is only general explanations and education. It is not specific tax, legal, or investment advice. Before considering acting on anything you heard here, first consult with your tax, legal, or investment advisor. Thank you. Thank you.